0: listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in American soccer. And don't forget to subscribe. Hello everyone, my name is Jake Watroba and welcome to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. On this week's episode of the show, Steven and Armand welcome Joseph Lowry of The Athletic. For segment one, the boys talk all things U.S. men's national team, from Greg Berhalter to names to watch in the January camp. Be on the lookout for segment two, which will be available Tuesday as the impact of the MLS Super Draft is discussed and whether or not youth can win in MLS. Please make sure you follow the show on Twitter at UncSamSoccerPod. Make sure you subscribe to the show anywhere you get your podcasts and make sure to leave a review for the show
2: now let's get to today's show
0: all righty fellas welcome welcome joseph it is actually your first time although we did record a full episode with you and that went down the toilet because we had technical issues all throughout so welcome back but really welcome
1: Thank you. It gives me, you know, a second chance at a first impression. So I'm glad
2: to be here.
0: Yeah, Armand, how we doing? I'm just marveling
2: at how cool a Twitter handle is, Joe and Cleats. Like, what what a what a great Twitter handle. Like, I, you hear like, oh, my Twitter handle Armand Cafiles is my name, but Joe and Cleats is just so catchy.
1: I think maybe I should just change my name to you know Joe and Cleats. Forget Joseph Lowry. Yeah. Let's just go. Let's just go for it.
2: Yeah,
0: please. I think
1: you
2: probably
0: should. That's how we refer <laughs> to you should. on the show when we're texting each other who to get on the show. <laughs> anyway, uh, let let's talk about this training camp and the U.S. Men's National Team. And Joseph, I know you had written something about Pulisic going to Chelsea, but give us your take on on you know your expectation, what the signing means.
1: Well, I think. At this point, it's a pretty low-risk move for Pulisic, especially because he's not really playing for Dortmund right now. So if he was going to move, and it it really did seem like he was going to move at the end of the season, it's probably the timing is good. And I think he has the potential to fit pretty well for Chelsea. Uh, He's comfortable basically across the front three like under a striker. Um, So sorry, um, Chelsea's manager doesn't really play with the central attacking midfielder, but he does like to rotate his wingers inside. And so I think Pulisic... He's flexible, he's young, he can be probably molded into you know, the style of attacker that Chelsea wants. So I think if he can find a way to get on the field in the Premier League next season, it it could work out pretty well for him.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm just nervous that being 20 years old, being the 27th most expensive player in the history of the sport, third most expensive player under the age of 20, behind stars Mbappe and former teammate Dembele at Dortmund, Third biggest transfer in Chelsea history. Uh, There's some expectations on this young guy. And uh, we we had Brandon Busby of the London Blue podcast coming on. You know, there's some mixed feelings among Chelsea fans. I think the biggest upside to Pulisic is the fact he's only 20.
2: He's 20 and he's American. I think those are the two biggest upsides. I mean, because we've seen Pulisic at his... I don't know if his peak is the right word, but when he's playing uh, consistently I and mean, he puts on good shifts. I mean, we've seen with the national team, a uh, more central position, but with uh, Dortmund, it's obviously been more of a winger. And he's played very well, in, you know, some big matches, including some matches in the Champions League. Um, my, my only thing is the price tag, to be quite honest with you. I think that's the thing that is making people kind of OK. Like, is he worth it or is he not? But I mean, I'm a, I'm gonna keep saying what Busby uh, said in the last podcast. It's not our money, so why should we care? But in terms of in terms of value, I'm not sure if he's worth 73 million dollars at this moment right now.
0: Wait, 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 wait. You have a problem with the amount of money Chelsea played for the player? And that sounds familiar. Why? I said that. I said that bef- the final episode of twenty eighteen I said, be careful with the price tag because the price tag is gonna dictate the expectations on this youngster
2: exactly and that's it's gonna it's gonna dictate that, and figure out wow, he's not worth seventy three million dollars i think I said at the end of uh our he goes into our other our last podcast uh segment three um of our pullstick special I said that if he's a consistent starter, this is a huge win for pullstick and a huge win for u s soccer But is a consistent starter good enough for $73 million?
0: The thing is, we know the amount of money getting thrown around for players. I mean, it's just inflated.
1: Yeah, and uh, to jump in, I think Pulisic's price tag is going to follow him around. And it's unavoidable at this point. And that's every player, though. So if he becomes a solid Premier League starter, then I don't think we'll really look back at this transfer and say it was too much. But the expectations are going to be high for him. And fans are going to... You know, expect certain things from him because they paid 73 million for him.
0: And, and don't forget, Chelsea is going to make a lot of the money back in Jersey sales alone. I mean, we know how Ronaldo quickly made up a lot of the, the 100 million that Juventus spent or Paul Pogba when he moved from Juventus to Man United. I mean, Jersey sales do a lot and the marketing ability now for Chelsea Football Club in the United States is endless. The sky's the limit especially around Christian Pulisic. Just wait for the the commercials to come out. Now, Pulisic said something really interesting. And I I think this is a statement that I I think should be worth noting. Now, I'm reading from an ESPN article just a couple days ago. And Pulisic doesn't believe the lofty price tag and the bigger spotlight will increase the pressure on him to perform for the national team. He says, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think we can put some more pressure on some of the other guys. Now I understand my role in the national team. I have to show these guys the way I've been around for a while. Now, guys, what do we make of this quote? Because I think this is an interesting quote. What is he doing with this pressure game here? This
1: quote, actually, I'm not really sure what he's talking about. I mean, I don't disagree, right? I don't think necessarily that this transfer puts any more pressure on Pulis. Like He's still the face of the national team and he has, Again, high expectations. Fans expect a lot from him when he puts on the national team jersey. So I don't think moving from Dortmund, a big club in Europe, to Chelsea, another big club in Europe, really is going to change that too much. Um, maybe with his line about putting pressure on the other guys, do you, think, do you guys think that refers to the younger players um, maybe being more ambitious or to some of the older players who, who have come back domestically and are playing
2: in MLS? I'm not sure. Uh, maybe yeah, he may wants them to be more ambitious – and and perform at a higher level. Uh, I think S- steve and I talked about this uh a couple of days ago when he pointed out this quote. It's a really I think it's a really weird quote to, you know, throw out there, you know, talking about, you know, oh I, want, I think we put some more pressure on some of the other guys now. Um it's such I don't what why is that included in there? I feel like it's a really interesting little bit that's kind of like okay, like hey, like there's no pressure on me, but everyone else they have a lot more pressure, you know. Become better, no Christian Pulisic. First off, I agree. the pre- The pressure won't increase for him to perform. This guy ca- almost carried the U.S. to a World Cup. That's as much pressure as you can get at this point. I- I'm not sure who he's referring to, Joseph. Uh,
0: Stephen, what do you think? I'm, I'm not sure. So I-, I think there's different ways to take this quote. I wonder if it's his young age and just the lack of leadership right here. I think the proper way of saying this is. I don't think the price tag follows me around with the U.S. men's national team. I'm one of 11. We're going to, you know, everybody has their role. We know the failure happened 2018. There's a new regime coming in. We're going to pick up the pieces and we're going to build momentum going forward. I think that would be a better statement. The pressure, it's like maybe he feels too much pressure and he wants the other guys to feel it. Maybe it's he's calling out the media for not putting enough pressure on other players. And he has all the spotlight. Remember, in 2018, when they failed to qualify for the World Cup, I'm sorry, but the media was soft. Bruce Arena took a lot of the blame, but at the end of the day, it was about the 90 minutes spent in Trinidad and Tobago against a B team, and they couldn't get another goal. So maybe it's the pressure on players, especially the ones in MLS, get your ass to Europe. Yeah, and
1: I actually, I think I'm going slightly against what you were saying there, uh, Stephen, but... I don't have a huge problem with the quote. Maybe maybe it could have been phrased a little bit differently. Um, but I think, you know, we do need more pressure around the national team environment. And this is partly what you were saying. So I do agree with you here that the media, you know, we we should be looking at our players and encouraging them and you know prompting them and questioning, you know, where they're playing and how they're getting minutes and where those minutes are coming from and the quality of the opponent that they're up against. So I think in a way, I actually kind of do appreciate this quote because I think, it's something that needs to be said, and maybe maybe it shouldn't be coming from Polasek. Maybe it should be coming from the media. But either way, I think I appreciate the basic sentiment, if I'm interpreting it correctly.
2: Do you guys think there's more pressure on players now, though? I feel like maybe not, maybe not as much, but I feel like there is a bit, a little bit more pressure on some of these younger players to leave and not go uh, to uh, to MLS academies and instead. You know, go to um, maybe like the Bundesliga. I think the Bundesliga, we saw Tyler Adams go there. and Yeah, but saw, he, like,
0: he spent time in MLS. I don't think MLS is necessarily the wrong, you know, first step to take. I think if you can get on the field before you're 20 and play regularly, absolutely. Now, if you're a Josh Sargent, yeah, absolutely go to Europe. Well, I mean, he's 18 years old. He already scored a couple of goals. I think Pulisic sees the landscape And being in Europe, I think, has changed his outlook on U.S. soccer a little bit and understanding the importance because he was able to move at 17, a much younger age than you're allowed to because of the dual national. He understands, wait a minute, U.S. soccer here has some problems. And if we can get more people to come to Europe, maybe that's what he's referring to in the pressure of where you're playing. And, you know, this is the U.S. men's national team being in Germany going to London now all I understand the pressure there is, but at the end of the day they still playing CONCACAF, right? So the pressures are really only gonna come till they start playing in the World Cup. Unless unless there is another Copa America where they're a part of and they're playing the Brazil's, the Argentinas, you know, the the heavyweights of Carnival. The the pressure though, I think it's slowly
2: coming, but again I do think it is a little soft uh, because we aren't, you know, I, I, some players aren't being pushed, and I mean, we saw that, you know, with you know players like I guess Michael Bradley, Josie Altador. Although Altador, I think, is a really interesting situation because he was in a really bad spot at the time, and he came back to, to him in Toronto, and kind of it kind of helped his career a little bit. But I mean, guys like may potentially Michael Bradley not pushing themselves and uh, coming to Toronto uh, for the big big paycheck. Th- the question is, though, if he's talking about the older guys, can you blame the older guys for coming to get a bigger paycheck?
1: No, I don't I don't think you can blame them exactly.
0: at, all. No, know, not at all. I mean, at the end of the day, you play sports to to feed your family. You want the paycheck exactly. to, to feed your family and set up your kids for our generations to come in the long term. And remember, when Michael Bradley and Josie Altidore came, the landscape of U.S. soccer was still it, this is significantly different. I don't think people understand. U.S. soccer has, is no – tomorrow is a different day than it was today. It continues to grow. So I think Michael Bradley and Josie Altador, although Josie Altador is a lot younger than people think he is. I think he's, what, 27, 28?
2: Something like that. He's on
0: the right side of 30. I think Michael Bradley's on the wrong side. I, I need to go double-check this. These players came to MLS because MLS needed a marketing ploy. They gave them the big paychecks. And for the large part it worked. Michael Bradley is going down in history for TFC. Why? Because they won the fake treble. So it it worked. <laughs> the fake treble.
2: It did. No, it did. And like we all like we all mentioned, can you blame them? I mean, so I guess if you're talking about more of the, the younger players, I mean, yeah, that makes sense. I think Pulisic's whispering to some guys, hey, if you have an offer in like Germany, come to Germany. St- stuff like that. Trying to encourage more people to go to Europe. And I think that's going to be a positive step for the U.S. men's national team. Agreed.
0: All righty. So let, let's move on to training camp. And uh, Joseph, uh, we'll throw this out to you first. Names to pay attention in this U.S. men's training camp. Now, a couple of facts to know it's a very young age berhalter called 28 players uh all from mls average age is about 24.5 a couple of older guys or just with more experience michael bradley jesse sardes will trap 13 uncapped players eight whom uh, will experience their first u.s men's national team camp and then they're going to play a couple friendlies january 27th against panama and then the following couple of days later february 2nd uh in san francisco or the bay area against costa rica but guys a a lot of new faces names to pay attention to joseph
1: um so i kind of in my mind divided the roster up into into a couple of different groups i think some of the names that i'm trying to pay attention to are guys i think who could become more regular contributors so you know, starting with Zach Stefan, I think he still is the starting goalkeeper. Um, he has a familiarity with Burhalter. So I'll be keeping my eye on him to see does he look, you know, more comfortable? Does he look better with his feet um, under under Burhalter? I'm not sure if that would have any effect, but it'll be interesting to see Stefan. And then just a few other names uh, Reggie Cannon, Armand's guy, and then Yay. Aaron Long, Kellen Acosta, and Russell Canal. So Cannon at right back. I think I, I'm a big fan of his game personally, and I think he could be a really good fit for the presumed style that maybe we're expecting to see with the U.S. Miss National team now with Berhalter. And then Aaron Long, maybe he can push um, Matt Miazga or John Brooks at, at center back to become a more regularly played guy. And then Acosta and Canales in midfield, specifically Knauss, um maybe at the six, and looking at how He performs. So, Armand, what about you?
0: Well, before Armand, sorry. You say Kellen Acosta. Why? I mean, he goes – he makes, I guess, the transfer, the trade from Dallas to Colorado. And then he gets called up to the national team. He scores a goal, if I remember, against – was it Columbia in the 4-2 loss? Yeah. Yeah. Has Kellen Acosta – he's at the age of 23. Is he going to – you know, is he getting maxed out here? Like, is he going to be an MLSer for life? Or is there still a chance that he makes the move overseas and it's just kind of follow, finding the right team for him?
1: It's, I think Acosta probably is is an MLS player at this point. And I don't necessarily think that that's, that's a bad thing. Maybe it's not quite what we expected of him a couple of years ago, but I've sort of You know, Piest, Acosta, and uh, Christian Roldan, and maybe even Marquis Delgado a little bit in the same group. And I'm just interested to see how those three guys, and Acosta specifically, function under Berhalter. And so that's a little bit more of a a curiosity uh, thing for me, less that I think maybe he's on the same uh, profile as some of the other guys I mentioned. But I am still intrigued to see how he performs if he gets on the field
2: my list of players to watch. I'm actually gonna agree with Joseph here. Kel Acosta was number one on my list. And here's why. I think it's to prove here that he's a that he's basically more of a veteran with the national team. He's 23. He's entering an age where you know what you're kind of beginning to creep towards your prime. Um and remember the expectations for Kellen Costa were ridiculously high and now he's with the Rapids I mean like we like we talked about with the Rapids is he really a rising star anymore? I, I don't know. I, I don't think you can consider him a rising star in a lock, especially with many of his guys, you know, going into uh Europe. Uh, I don't think Kellen Acosta's a a lock for, you know, the the qualification, maybe for the gold cup, but I think he has something to prove. He has to prove, hey, I belong here. I'm the best out of this group. If Acosta isn't the best out of this group, then yikes. Because This is a guy who we we linked to Europe uh, two seasons back, and now he's with the Rapids, and he has to progress at some point. So I I agree. Kellen Costa is one player that I'd like to watch. Another player I'd be really interested to watch, uh, I I, want to see how the two Philadelphia Union uh, homegrowns do, Mark McKenzie and Austin Trustee. They're both relatively young. They both – Played really well in MLS if if we think about it, and there were consistent stars weekend we week out. I want to see if one of them can break into the rotation and you know say, hey, look, maybe we maybe we're better, and they can break in and try to get a gold cup spot. Maybe not like a playing spot in the gold cup, but one of those last few spots for some players gain experience. And then another player I look out for is Christian Ramirez. Uh, a lot of people talked about him playing with the U.S. Men's National Team and how he would help us for. I think it's the most schools. Across all American leagues since 2014. Yes, fact check, man. Want that one. I just read a tweet a couple months ago. It sort of prompted me, prompt me to think that. And, you know, give some competition to Giac Zardes. I think the USM's national team was lacking some, you know, some good forward play. And I think Ramirez would be a welcome
0: sight to see. Jesse Zardes is 27 years old. Just looked that up. He, he's, he's older. Hey, I and mean, he has for, some experience. Former, left, former
2: uh, outside back, too.
0: Considering that he went to Columbus, he scored nineteen goals. He was fifth or fourth tied in MLS scoring as far as just goals alone. He's familiar with the coach that has a that has to have a big leg up. Now, my big name I think is has to be Michael Bradley. Just to know what experience he is he bringing and will that translate into the future? Because we have all these youngsters, not only here in MLS, especially in Europe. I mean you could probably build a starting 11 just based on what's in Europe alone. Uh Stefan, I don't know how you want to count him as still MLS based because he's on loan for for another 6 7 months before he actually makes the transfer to city, but you you have a great squad right now just building in europe how's that going to push out some of these mls players but michael bradley does he have a future i think remember he still has the stigma of captaining united states to utter failure and that's not going to leave him i mean those boos that ring around mls lasted for a very long time i will not forget that and remember ibrahimovic joked around i don't know maybe he was very serious about this how michael bradley looks like a philosopher when you know he just needs to shut up and play i, I think michael bradley maybe i just can never get over the quote over lions and lambs or whatever it was or Sheep, sheep sheep, sheep lions and sheep <laughs> I, I just can't get that out of my mind and i just wonder if he really has a future like i said he's on the wrong side of 30 and you have all these kids coming up why not just build a team that's not gonna just play for the gold cup play for 2022 Two, but play for twenty twenty six. Build it over a period of time, and I think Michael Bradley can easily just be cut out of the picture. Maybe I've,
1: I've got a question for you guys about yeah, Michael Bradley. I'm interested. Do you think the the experience and the potential leadership he provides to this group, specifically this group in January camp, do you think that's a positive thing or is it a negative thing?
2: I, I would go positive, and you know, what, and I would even say this: If Michael Bradley, what is he? Is he thirty two? Thirty one. If thirty one. So what, in three years, he'll be what thirty-four, thirty-five, give or take. Um I I would love to see Michael Bradley in the twenty twenty two World Cup squad. But now as a starter, as someone that you can bring off the bench to help you see out a result, to, you know, provide that leadership, you know, with 75, with 10 minutes left in the 75, 80th minute, you need to get a result. You bring in the closer, Michael Bradley come in to set up shop and kill the game. I would love I would love to see that. And I think his experience does help these guys because Michael Bradley, uh when I talked to Reggie Cannon about his, you know, first cap uh with Nashville, he specifically I think mentioned Michael Bradley as a guy who gave him experience and you know helped him uh with, with his transition. I think it's important, especially maybe for a guy like Knauss, who's probably gonna be playing the same role as Bradley. Um, you get that leadership, you get that or, or Will Trapp, who I think has been playing more of a Bradley esque on or Dave Sarakan, oh I mean that's Dave Saracan, so you can take it with a grain of salt. But these guys, like Michael Bradley has experience in the World Cup. Like, let's not forget this. This guy was really good when he was at Roma. I think his experience does help the team, and like I said, I'd like to see him on the 2022 squad if
0: he doesn't retire. Well, maybe I'm Mr. Negative for the show, but after the Gold Cup, I highly consider him just cutting him out. Just let the young guys grow let them gel let them fail together let them grow but this is a new generation burhalter shouldn't really look to the past he should look to the future and if yeah expectations is to win the gold cup they're probably guaranteed a final right but even if hopefully, they hopefully 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 but i don't know if if it's necessarily a bad thing for for burhalter to select you know, an under twenty six, under twenty seven squad, and be like, this is the team for the future. That you're gonna watch them, you know, have some growing pains, but it's gonna be consistent. And you want to have a base where you can sprinkle a couple of new faces every couple of year, uh, every year, that you know come through through the ranks and let them fill in. But you want Pulisic to be the next leader. Michael Bradley can only hang around so much. So, I I see your point, Armand, but I I wonder. If the the more, you know, strategic move is to be like, here's you know, here's our next captain. He's gonna lead us for the next eight years, rather than have the captain armband be just you know thrown around from players every couple of years because th- there isn't one true guy. Maybe it's Pulisic. I just don't know if he has that leadership capabilities that you know we see. I mean, Messi is a a real good captain. We know that. I think on Bradley, I'm, I'm right in the middle of the two of you
1: trending more towards Steven's, Steven's point. I don't see a huge issue with Michael Bradley being in, in camps like this one. And maybe, maybe even in March when that one rolls around to, to provide that leadership that Reggie Cannon was talking about, maybe that individual, um, assistance and experience. You can talk with some guys on the team about, you know, his time playing, whatever, whatever that looks like, but I'd rather Armand was saying, you know, maybe in twenty twenty two we bring on Michael Bradley to close out a game. I'd rather that guy be Tyler Adams and I'd rather Tyler Adams be you know, starting specifically. Well, what, what,
2: yeah. well yeah. I I would like an Adams to start or something like that. But I think the importance of a sorry to interrupt you, Joseph. No. The you're importance good. of a, a vet just coming at the bench, I think I think we under I think it's a little bit understated. Um we saw Jeff Lorenowitz guys play a huge role in Atlanta winning MLS Cup, and I I think it's a little understated because he allowed he, he just he just read the game well with his positioning uh, as I guess he's more of a center back in in that case. But I think the importance of a guy who ha- who's been there, done that. The pressure doesn't get to him. Well, I mean, it, it maybe it might a little bit, but uh, he just he's just been there and done that. And if you can bring him off the bench as like maybe a twenty as maybe a 22nd or 23rd guy i mean you'll have to play him every game and you'll still have the young guys starting and taking the majority of the minutes but i know we're arguing about not we're discussing about something three uh three years ahead but i i think i think he can play a valuable role on, on a roster as just a bench player but not a player that has to play every minute or whatever this is my two cents joseph continue yeah no i think i think that's
1: fair i just I'm a little bit scared with Bradley. I remember, I think it was against Columbia, the friendly back in, what was that? October, I think. And Mm -hmm. he came on in that sort of, you know, spot sub appearance role. And maybe it was the system. Maybe it was people, players not understanding their defensive responsibilities under Sarekin. But I seem to remember Bradley being a little bit more of a liability than an asset off the bench. But I think to qualify that in a, in a distinct system with clear instructions, maybe that wouldn't be the case, but I'd personally be more inclined to – sure, if you want Michael Bradley on the roster, that's fine. I'd rather him probably not ever see the field, but I, I totally understand <laughs> what you're coming – like the angle you're coming from.
0: Maybe maybe Michael Bradley's what, the 23rd man on the roster? Maybe you have him just as a voice. And it, yeah. it's actually – I think, Aran, you, you do raise a fair point. Think about it. There's going to be an eight-year gap or eight-and-a-half-year gap because the World Cup is going to be played in December. From the you know what U.S. Mets national team player will have played in the World Cup last? What about Josie Altador? Will he have room? He, remember, he's uh twenty eight, twenty nine, so he's gonna be younger than Michael Bradley. He pulled his uh was it his hamstring in uh, uh, twenty fourteen? I think so. Yeah, against Ghana. Within I don't know the within the first twenty minutes. So does he have the experience? I don't know. He didn't play it out. Michael Bradley might fill in that experience level, but use the gold cup. And then you got to sign up the US men's national team for other competitions or create a new competition that allows for further uh, development and better competition. The gold cup is not, it's something that people look at and be like, how is this helping the US men's national team? They don't have the opportunity to play in Connobol or. In UEFA, where it is grinding results every time you play a friendly because you're playing against nations of equal or higher stature than yourself, especially if you're, you know, a smaller nation.
1: Guys, I've got the solution. Okay. Uh, Let's just bring, you know, it's it's not complicated. Let's just bring, uh, shoot, what's his name? Oh, my goodness. Oh, there we go. Let's just bring DeMarcus Beasley. You know, <laughs> yes. 2022 starting left back. I think that's all.
2: Jesus, about. man.
1: How old will he be? Like 40? Man, Five? I'm getting old. I couldn't even remember his name.
0: That guy's Jeez. still around.
2: Still I knew around. He's, and he's still playing really good, too. Like, for a guy his age. Like.
0: Yeah, no. I'm, I'm, I'm on board, Armand.
2: All right, I'm on board. You, st- you, got, you got me, Joseph. You yeah.
0: got me. Yeah, tweet, tweet at us. Unc Sam Soccer Pod at Joe and Cleats. Do you agree? Marcus Beasley. Should be the starting left back in 2022, but uh, moving. Please don't. Please don't. <laughs> they moving... send all your
2: hate mail to Joe and Cleats. Yeah,
0: w- welcome to the uh, hate if, mail if segment. You hate, if
2: you hate my, if you hate my Michael Bradley uh, uh, take, you can uh, send it, your hate mail to at Joe and Cleats. And... I'm just trying to take the heat off.
0: But uh biggest holes or flaws in this US Men's national team. And you, you can maybe talk about it in the January camp, or you could just talk about it as as a whole. Uh what does have to worry about most here? And Armand, let's begin with you.
2: I I would say defensively. Um look we look, DeAndre Yedlin does play in Newcastle, but I'm not a hundred percent sold on on his play. Uh I don't think is a competent left back yet, right? He uh, starts ben, I mean, week
0: in and week out. We just said this is last week.
2: I, I mean, yeah, that's I said that that it's great for him, but I'm just still not sold on him. Uh, he's he's made a few errors for uh, Newcastle, and you know, I think Reggie Cannon could you know sweep up and you know take that spot, but I think that's also my Reggie Cannon bias kicking in. So, um, cause we're here FC Dallas quota for the day, so we we, we just we we just hit that. Thank you guys, but I mean, look, John Brooks has you know struggles has struggled to stay healthy. little to stay healthy. Uh, Miazga, mm, remember that Matt Doyle tweet where he talked about how uh, Miazga would be better than John Stones? Yikes! Uh, that's, that 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 a, that doesn't a doesn't Hot well. take, police, and, you're arrested. Take police, you're under arrest, Matt Doyle. And uh, left back, I think we have Ant- there's Anthony Robinson who's getting a lot of minutes, and he has this weird tendency to try to use his pace uh, when he gets beat to, you know, make up for it. So he'll get beat and then try his pace to catch up, and that usually doesn't work when you have a guy like Neymar on your uh, on your side. So I think defensively, like Berhalter, I think this is a work uh, cut out for him. And if he can, you know, there's a lot of good players coming up. Uh, I think Aaron Long also has a shot at, you know, trying to get uh trying to get some minutes there. I'm more I'm a little bit more worried defensively. Um but I'm also very negative when it comes to the US National team. So I think you copied off my
1: notes, Arman, because um I think yeah. I have almost exactly what you just said typed out about DeAndre Yedlin and and left back in the left back spot as well. I'm not sold on Yedlin either, especially you know, not just because He's maybe not been great for the U.S. over the past, you know, year or whatever. But it—I don't know that he's a great fit for how Berhalter likes to play. I don't think Yedlin's a very like he doesn't bring a lot of value on the ball. He's he's got pace and he can he can get wide and stretch opposing uh, defenses out, but he doesn't have great passing ability. Like you know, you see Harrison Affle for the crew, and mm-hmm. I feel like he's a real asset in that in that system with the ball. But I'm not sure Yedlin brings that. And then on the left, uh, I'm really interested to see how Greg Garza does in this camp because mm-hmm. I think that actually might be a winnable spot. I think Anthony Robinson has potential, and I'm not saying we should give up on him by any stretch. But, you know, you're playing a World Cup qualifier in you know, Honduras. Maybe that's Greg Garza that you want starting at left back. I don't know, but I'm intrigued to see him.
0: Are you worried about where the goals are coming from? Like I know defensively that that's a big flaw. I know defensively we have issues um and it's weird to think that we the United States has had issues defensively because historically it seems that's position or that's kind of the area of the field that we're more solid in and it was it's always been offensively the creativity where's that going to come from now the midfield I think we're we're pretty talented across the board if you look at it as a whole now this is oversimplifying it but where are the goals coming from? Because we don't have a consistent one-two punch. You know, is it Bobby Wood? Is it Jesse Sardis? Is it some of the young guys, Sergeant Wea? What What are we doing to produce goals? What is going to get into the back of the net? And is Christian Pulisic under Burhalter going to play more centrally, where he's going to be that ten, or is he going to be more of that, you know, that winger, that seven that flies up and down the 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 pitch? So,
2: Joe Joseph, correct me if I'm wrong, but Burhalter ran what, like a 4 2 3 1 of yeah. sorts? Yeah, with, mostly 4 3 1. Yeah, with Inguay with more of a free roll, uh, Zardes up top, and then Santos and uh, I guess Miram on the wings, and the the fullbacks kind of booming up and down the pitch, right?
1: Yeah, that's, that's
2: exactly it. Uh, I would say Pulisic is more central in that instance because from what I've seen of the crew, which is a lot because of ESPN+. He has a, he has a, he has a, Inguyen has a really free role. A- am I wrong by saying that, Joseph? I don't think you're wrong. I don't think you're wrong about that, no. Yeah, I think he has a relatively free role. But I can also see him being played on the wing, too. So it's kind really one of those things where Burt going to have to weigh his options and be like, okay, wh- where is Pulisic going to be best for that, for the roster? Because I could see Tyler Adams and Weston McKinney playing next to each other um in in a in a four two three one with I guess you'd have Adams be more I you they, they can could switch on and off, but I'd have Adams more back and I'd have McKay a little bit more up or vice versa. I mean it's more of a it's more of a preference thing. I I don't know
0: who you'd put that center attacking mid outside of Pulisic unless I'm like thinking too narrow minded. You know, you raise an interesting point, because I was thinking the same thing and don't do you have to consider Joseph Pulisic's Max – like where can you maximize Pulisic is if he is, say, 100% on the wing and centrally he's only 82%, do you take the 82% of Pulisic's max potential over the 100% where he's comfortable on that wing?
1: That's a really great way to phrase the question because the, I mean, the answer – the short answer is I don't know. Uh, <laughs> the long answer is I think you – personally, my preference would be to take the 100% on the wing – and play without sort of that Igwayin style playmaker, simply because I don't think Pulisic is, is that like-for-like like replacement. Igwayin, from what I've seen of him, and I can't say that I've seen a ton of the crew. I've seen a good bit. but You have ESPN+,
2: Joseph? Come no, on. I
1: do. I just, Come on, I'm just not grinding those crew games like you are, man. <laughs> um, but I think Pulisic is a little bit more of a type of player that likes to drive into space, whereas Igwayin does that, but maybe it's more of a connector between... Midfield and attack, and I could be wrong about that, but I think Pulisic might be better in that Justin Miram role where he starts out wide and maybe he he comes into midfield to add another number and to give the U.S. an advantage. And then Pulisic has the ball at his feet and he can drive forward from there. So personally, my preference from a tactical standpoint would would be to see him maybe start on the right and then come in, drift in slightly into midfield and then move the ball up from there. But I, I wouldn't be surprised to see either central or out wide.
0: What, what about the goal scoring? Do you have a worry with finding someone who can be a regular and somebody where there can be a, a chemistry built around? Because I think with all these young guys and just the lot of them, you got to start dwindling down on a core that you're going to be able to just get them in rotation and let them feel each other. Because that's the hardest part about national team football is building chemistry or just regularity that, you know, club football has a huge advantage where you see these guys week in and week out consistently.
1: Yeah, I think there is a concern about where the goals are coming from. Uh, You know, Pulisic can provide obvious benefits in attack. But if if maybe we're just saying it's a 4-3-3, you know, as a basic example, who's playing striker and who's on the left wing maybe two, three years from now, Josh Sargent and Timmy Weah or Jonathan Amen on the left maybe are regular starters at a at a decent-sized club. And, you know, you can rely on them to score some goals. But right now, even just looking at this January camp roster, the forwards are Abobasi, who's more of a hold-up guy. Christian Ramirez and Zardes, who, you know, are known for their goal scoring. But I don't know how they translate on the international level. So, I mean, are you looking at Altidore still? I, I don't know. I the The answer is, yeah, we should be concerned about where the goals are coming from. At least that's my take.
2: Wow, I would be intrigued to see Waya and Outdoor play off each other. You know, have Waya with his runs pull off, have and and have Outdoor as more of that target guy. I mean, I'd be interested to see that. But I, I, am I concerned? Of course, I'm concerned. It's the U.S. men's national team. I have confidence that they won the 2022 World Cup, and I'm still concerned. Come on, uh, Zardes works really well and uh, with Berhalter's system. And I was actually talking to Harrison Crow, uh, a good friend of Joseph, uh about this. He, he writes for American Soccer Analysis and it's a great website, you should go check it out. It's a data analytic website. And he told he showed me that he showed me a number that was really interesting, which is how much Zardes is involved in possession leading up to the cruise play. And it's not much. So so think about it. In Borhalter's system, Zardes is not involved in the possession as much, he's just there to score goals. That's a defined role, and I think that's why Zardes, I think, is going to have a little bit of a head start over everyone else because he played that role that Burhalter gave him, not perfectly, but pretty damn close to it. So, I mean, in that role with Burhalter Ber- with, with I would say Zardes is a good fit. Now, I'm not that concerned, but in this camp, okay, maybe a little bit because they don't have Pulisic. Well, Just saying
0: it i think it's very hard to when we talk about these holes and flaws we're talking about the us men's national team adding as in as a whole as yep. a whole adding in all those european based players you can't really make much of the flaws and holes in this january roster because it's it's a training camp it's you're going to play, pick players to get experience to to introduce them to to the national team and and see where they are in their development so it's It's complicated with the U.S. men's national team. We have a coach. We'll see how it is. I mean, these two friendlies coming up, can we make much of them?
1: Yes, I think we actually can. And I think I'd agree. Sorry to cut you off, Armand. I think maybe to go back slightly to the last question about where the goals are coming from, these friendlies will give us an idea of where they're coming from. I think there's a real chance that the scoring comes from the system and from – the players playing in a cohesive you know, possession scheme and moving down the field as a unit, this is in a perfect world, obviously. And maybe it matters less who the players scoring the goals are and more how effective the system is at creating a high number of those goal-scoring chances.
2: Listen, Burhalter's system was good. Now imagine it with the best players uh, in the U.S. men's national team pool. That's what I'm interested to see. And these friendlies do have meaning because you to see Burhalter implement his system so we can at least get an idea of what he wants to do. I think that's the most important thing. We got look. It's going to be a January camp. They're not going to be the best players, but I want to see what he wants to do. What we should be looking for with those key players and some trademark Burhalter things, such as maybe the forward not being as involved in the build up as possession uh, in the build up to possession. The fullbacks, how do they perform? Uh, the the midfield, the low blocks, etc. I'm really interested to see how Burhalter sets up. Uh, because it's the first glimpse we're gonna have as him, you know, being head coach. We can talk about him being a head coach all we want. We have been for the last year and a half, but let's let's see how he does now, and let's see what he brings to the table.
0: Well, Joseph, a lot smoother than last time you were on. <laughs> you could uh follow him, follow him, listeners. Joe and Cleet. wonderful content. Love his pieces for the Athletic. Follow Armand Kafai at Armand Kafai. Catches work on Pro Soccer USA. I'm Stephen Jotternd. Come back tomorrow. We got some MLS chat for you. And yeah, tweet us Unc Sam Pod. Give us your thoughts with this U.S. Men's National Team. Anything that we alluded to on the show today? Maybe you have some other points that you want you missed that we missed. Be ready for a player that you're watching in training camp. Let us know. Till next time. <laughs>